Well, you ready to get in the word? I know I'm ready. Hallelujah. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 55, verse 22. Psalm 55, verse 22. We're talking about how that God wants to sustain you. How that he is the one that keeps you. And I'll tell you, here's the deal. The Bible is very clear that in our life here, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The enemy, although he's defeated in our lives, will still not play by the rules. And he'll come across that line and attack your body and and attack your family if you let him. But I'm here to tell you that you already have been given the victory in these areas. And God wants to keep you. You, you, you and I are not strong enough to walk through this life and live the life in our own strength and carry and work out all the stuff we're going to deal with in our own strength. God, our bodies are amazing, but our bodies were never created to handle stress. So let's read this. Psalm 55 in verse 22, it says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. And then it finishes up by saying, he shall never suffer or never allow the righteous to be moved. Now you have to understand, you know, if you're born again, you are the righteous. And and I could, tell, I could tell you this, in my life, there's been times where things in this world have moved me. Does this mean this scripture's not true? No. It means, why, why could I get moved? If he says, I'll never suffer or never allow the righteous to be moved. Well, he can't violate my will. And if I'm not willing to cast my burden upon him, in other words, if I'm trying to figure it out, if I'm trying to carry this stuff, he can't work on it. But if I'll roll it over on him, man, he could work on that. So we broke down these Hebrew words here. The word cast literally means to get rid of, to throw. It's, it's a type of the word in the New Testament where it says, humble yourself, how? under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. How do you do that? By casting your care, the whole of your care upon him. See, if you're not walking in humility, you will try to carry the care and try to work it out yourself. If you're carrying it and trying to work it out, he can't because he gave you a free will and he'll never violate that. Satan, he will always try to drive you to do things. God will always lead you and woo you. He'll never drive you. So cast your burden on the Lord. This word burden, it's something that troubles you. It's something that is bothering you. It's something that weighs you down. I remember when I talked about casting your care upon the Lord and humility. We were at Elkhorn Ridge Middle School in the first year of our church, and I had a pulpit that was probably this size, but it was heavier. It probably weighed 110 pounds, what it may be. Uh, it was, I, 
A guy in my college and career group in California made it for me. He was a contractor. I called it the post-tribulation pulpit because nuclear war could come and go, but that thing was going to make it, you know? And, and so I, I literally put this thing on my shoulder and I was walking around preaching. For I don't know if some of you remember that. Uh, it was probably 15, 20 minutes. I mean, the Lord had me doing this. It, it's hurting my shoulder. I'm sweating. And I would walk up to somebody and, and I go, this is what happens when people come to church, you know? They're, they they kind of walk up and it'd be like, oh, hey, Philip, how's it going? But I'm not really even... I can't even focus on Philip because I'm being crushed by this thing. And I'm just trying to walk around and see as, as we cast our burden on the Lord, you'll still see it in your life. And the enemy will tell you, well, see, look, it's got, the thing's getting worse. Obviously, you didn't cast it. No, no, but basically, you just rolled it over on Jesus. He has it. The only difference, you see it in your life. It's not like the circumstance just disappears, but you're no longer being crushed underneath it. And eventually, you'll notice it'll go away. Why? Because God says, you cast your burden upon me, and I will sustain you. So let's look at this word sustain once again. The word sustain, the Hebrew word means I will pull you into myself and I'll keep you in me. I love that. The word also means I will maintain you. I will guide you. I will bear you. I will nourish you. I will provide for you. This Hebrew word's really amazing. God's saying, if you'll just roll this care over on me, I'm going to be the one that takes care of you. And then he says this, he will never allow the righteous to be moved. And this, this word moved means he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He'll never allow them to slip. And he'll never allow them to fall. Wow. I love the picture it gives of this Hebrew word. Hebrew words give a picture and the picture is, I will never allow you to be carried off of your course. This is, this is literally saying the same thing as Joshua 1.5. God told Joshua before he took the children of Israel into the land of Canaan to obtain their inheritance. He said, listen, Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you and, and this word stand before in the Hebrew language means no man will be able to stand before you and block you all the days of your life. Nobody can take you off your course. He said, why? Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Right? That's why even today when we were singing this song, he's with you in the fire. So we don't care. See, we don't get caught up in the how. We're not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in front of King Nebuchadnezzar going, in Jesus' name, I'm not going into the furnace. In Jesus' name. No, no, we're, we're a lot bolder than that. We're not carrying anything. See, when you, start, when you start confessing how you think it should work out, it's because you're worried about it. But when you're living life completely trusting him, you're like, no, 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 no. I realize and see, as a New Testament believer, I realize he's already done it. 
So now it doesn't matter how. King, you throw me in, okay. Doesn't, doesn't affect me at all. My God is able to deliver me, and he will. But oh, by the way, but if you don't throw me in, I'm not bowing. Right? The king... They got the king in Babylon, they, they talked him into passing a law that nobody could pray to their God. They hated Daniel. So, of course, Daniel, knowing God, what does he do? He goes back to his house, opens all the windows so everybody can see him, and he prays louder. So they, they tell the king, hey, in Babylon, if a law was passed, the king would have to do it. And so the king really liked Daniel, but he had to be thrown into a lion's den. And all of his enemies are just going, wow, see, we got him now. It's over. He's going to get thrown in a lion's den. Nobody ever even hits the bottom of the lion's den, right? Because those lions are starving, and they just rip the person apart. But the Bible says in Hebrews, Daniel went into the lion's den in faith. In other words, he knew he was going to sleep not with the fishies, right? He's going to sleep with the kitties, and they're not going to hurt him. I mean, even, even the king comes the next day in the morning. Hey, Daniel, are you okay? Now, why would the king do that? Have you ever thought about that? Because nobody in the history of being thrown in a lion's den has ever lived through that. So I'll guarantee you what happened is the king is like, man, Daniel... Uh, it's a law. I can't do anything about this. And Daniel's response, I'll guarantee you, was, oh, hey, don't worry about it. The Lord, he'll deliver me out of this. See, when you know the Lord, when you, when you roll this burden over on him and you're not crushed by it, it's because you trust God. God will see you through to the end. You don't have to know how, but if you're sick, you already know the end result that this sickness cannot take me out. As a matter of fact, it's illegal. I will never even acknowledge it to be anything else but a lying symptom, and it's got to leave my body. I don't deny that it's real. I deny its right to remain. Poverty and lack. I don't deny that I'm in lack. I deny the right of poverty and lack to be in my life. And God will sustain me. Does that make sense? You know, let, actually, let's go to the 91st Psalm. Let's go, go over to the 91st Psalm really quick. Actually, forget the 91st Psalm right now. Go to Exodus 15. That's a little bit of a different thing, isn't it? It's all good. There's just so much to pick from here, right? Exodus chapter 15. Look at this. Look at verse 23. It says, and when they came to Marah, so here's the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, now they're in the wilderness. Now the wilderness in our thinking is forests, not, not in the Middle East, it's, it's just desert, right? So they're, I mean, they're, they're walking around. There's, there might be some trees and things, but there's a lot of rocks and, and all this stuff. But when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. So here's all the people. They're walking through the heat. They're walking. They're could, you ever, could you imagine you're hiking, 
and then all of a sudden you get thirsty, you come up to water, but you try to drink it, but it's, you can't drink it, it's bitter. It's, it's poisonous. You, you know that if you drink this, it'll, it'll hurt you. And so what did they do? Just like this generation that missed God always did, they murmured, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And Moses cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast it into the waters were made sweet. So I know there's a meaning here. The water always is a type of humanity, right? We know that. This is a type. The tree being thrown into the water represents the cross, represents Jesus. It literally represents Jesus being thrown into humanity, and he made humanity that was bitter. Now they could be sweet. We're living examples of that. So we know that this is, this is what this is talking about. But I want you to notice this verse. When, when, the, when, the, um, when he had cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So something that was bitter was changed into something that was sweet. What was the, what was the thing that caused it? God did something. God caused the bitter to be made sweet. He can cause your liver to be made whole. He can cause death to come back to life. Does that make sense? He can change your whole financial life in ways that you can't even imagine, faster than you could ever imagine. So this is huge. Now look at, what, look at what happened here. And it said here, they, when he cast the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made them for a statute, for an ordinance. And there he proved them and said, now look at this, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. For a New Testament believer, if you will be a hearer of the word. In other words, if you will make a decision to get rid of the distractions and, and be a hearer of God's word, right? And will do that which is right in his sight. So not only be a hearer, but be a doer of the word of God. It says, and will give ear to his commandments and will keep all his statutes. New Testament believer, if you will just hear and do his word. It's very simple. If you'll just hear his word and do his word. Right? God says, I will put. Now, this is in the, in the permissive tense in the Greek. It would be more accurately written, I will allow none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought. Again, it's in the permissive tense. Should have, it should be translated that I have allowed upon the Egyptians. Why? Because I am the Lord that heals you. So we're, we're seeing something here. God is saying, if you will just hear me and do what I say, then I will not allow the diseases upon you. Now we need to put this under the context of a New Testament believer. There's some, there's some wrong teaching out there that will tell you, now wait a minute, that's Old Testament, that's not for us today, we're under grace. And they will say, if you ever see 
if you do this, then God will do this, then that's not for you today. I, I think we need to meditate in the epistles where the Bible says all scriptures profitable for doctrine and instruction. But we have to put it under the context of who we are in Christ. See, these people were Old Testament believers. They were not born again. They were just servants of God. You're his kids. See, now as we live, it's not if you do this, then I will do this. It's if you do this, you're going to be able to walk in and receive what I've already done for you. So God, see, when you got born again, all this stuff was given to you. All things that pertain to life and godliness were given to you, the Bible says. You were blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Psalm 23, it says that God's went before you and laid out a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God has provided everything for you already, but now in order for you to lay hold of it and bring it into this realm, this natural realm, you have to do that by faith, right? So this is why, this is how, this is what this means for us. So there is a man part. You know, there's a lot of teaching out there talking about the sovereignty of God that's not correct teaching. God is sovereign. He totally is. And here's rule number one of sovereignty, how God set it up in man's life. Your will will trump his will. Do you know God does not want one baby aborted? Not one. But guess what? 3,000 of them will be aborted in America today. And, and God has nothing to do with it. That's all the work of the enemy. God must allow what you allow. If you wanted to leave here right now and go rob a Casey's gas station, you could do it. It would not be God's will. He would not want you to do that. Do you know God's will is that you and I, we only speak life to one another. We walk in love. We do this. But, you know, have you ever noticed that you have the ability to do what you want? But I'm here to tell you today, the Holy Spirit will help you. Let's actually, let's look at this. Well, I've got so many notes, but let's just take our time here. Go to Psalm 91 again. Psalm 91 if you look at this psalm, it's really a, it's a dialogue. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. Look at verse 9. It says, Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling wow look at verse 14 because you've set your love upon me therefore will i deliver you i'll set you on high because you've known my name he shall call upon me and i'll answer him i will be with him in trouble i will deliver him and honor him and then he says with long life will i satisfy him and show him my salvation. If you look at these Hebrew words, 
the Bible gives you a picture of your life. We think if we just get a bigger house, that will satisfy us. If you're single, if I just find a wife, then I will be, or a husband, then I'll be satisfied. If I could just make more money, then I would be satisfied. If I could go on more vacations. But the Bible says, satisfied, this is what it looks like. I'm walking through my life. There's pestilence. There's the snare of the fowler. There's all this stuff. There's plagues. There's all this stuff that's trying to take me out early. But this is a picture because I've chosen this, God is keeping me. And he wants to satisfy me with long life. What does that mean? That means at some point in time, how, where, where, when is Tony Finley going to be satisfied? When are you truly going to be satisfied? When you have done everything down here that you're supposed to do. It just all of a sudden, and God says you'll be old right? Like Bible old. Bible old. I mean, you know, a lot of people in the Bible didn't even get started till they were 80. Bible old is like even old people look at you and go, wow, you're, you're old. <laughs> right? But you're satisfied. Why? It says, I'll satisfy you with long life and I will show you my salvation. Study these Hebrew words. That word show means to discern so that you can see it. You could literally translate this with long life, I'm going to satisfy you and I'm going to show you your whole life how I save. That means things that try to take you out don't. Why? Because he keeps you. This is for us right now. You have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Not because you're anything. Not because you were so good. I am so grateful all I had to do to be made righteous and have all of my sin and the sin nature eradicated from my life is I just had to believe what the Word said. And, and I was made righteous through faith just like Abraham was. Right? I didn't have to clean myself up to come to God. Well, I don't want to go to church. You know, one guy said, oh, dude, you better not go to that church. You'll burst in the flames. You know, that's just not true. Come to church and God will turn your life right side up. Right? Especially if you go to a church that's a real church, that's not religious, because they all, I mean, this is good news. The gospel of Christ is that Jesus took your place. You know what I deserve in my life? I deserve to be born in this life, live under the tyranny of Satan, under his tyranny my whole life, die and be separated from God, never know him ever, and be lost forever. That's what I deserve. But praise God, then Jesus... And he came and he keeps me. So now he's going to keep me. Now, here's the thing. Satan knows this, so he's going to try to get you into, well, how's he going to keep you? Look at what's happening around you. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. 
See, when you know God, you're never concerned about what's happening around you or what's happening to you. You're just thankful for what's happening in you. Right? You're not running around talking about your mountain. You're talking to your mountain in the name of Jesus, and Jesus is taking care of your mountain. Isn't that true? See, if you look at Psalm 91, it's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. And this is a man who's decided, I'm going to dwell in the secret place. So here's the thing, just don't say no. This is why Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and you're obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Actually, in the literal, literal Hebrew, it would read, you will, you will eat of the best that the land can provide. Isn't that amazing? I was talking to a, a good friend of mine yesterday, and he was talking, he goes, man, he goes, I bought Chipotle at $300. And he goes, man, I just thought, gosh, when it hit 600, I sold it. I was so happy. He goes, I am an idiot. I wish I had it today because it's at $1,800. How would you have liked to buy Tesla? You'd be a multimillionaire right now doing nothing. Well, who's the guy that knows all this stuff? Isaiah 48, 17 literally says that God is the God who will teach you how to profit and lead you in the way that you should go. And, and everybody, you know, last week, what did we talk about? The place of Jehovah Jireh. Oh, man, the blessing of Abraham, it's upon me. Yeah, it's upon you, but because you're walking in disobedience, it can't get anything to you. But I'm here to tell you today you can trust God, and he will keep you. Anybody who wants this, this is a whosoever will, let him come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody's qualified, and here's why you're qualified, not because of you. So see, you could be sitting here today going, you know what, man, I'm not honoring God in my finances, I'm not walking in love, I've got all these sin habits in my life, my life is a disaster well, I've got great news for you. And all of us could sit here and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been there. Wow, right? I mean, I'm sure Satan has notes that he took from my life going, man, I'm old and I've seen a lot of stuff, but I've never seen anybody do anything that stupid. I got to write that down. Maybe we'll find another idiot out there, right? But guess what? I'm not stupid anymore. And here's the thing. You are not disqualified. Your actions don't disqualify you because your qualification has to do with someone else. Jesus qualified you. I stand before God boldly today because of what Jesus did for me. Isn't that amazing? We get to live this glorious life. Hallelujah. So run over to Isaiah 54. Boy, I hope this just encourages you today. God will keep you. He will keep you safe in all the unrest that you may see on the outside of your life. God will keep you. 
This year, you're going to have to get in faith and believe God and declare some things. But you know what? No evil is going to come nigh my dwelling place. Right? Satan tries to sit on my shoulder all day, every day, and tell me how this church is never going to be all that God wants it to be. I'm never going to be able to be all that God wants me to be. Nothing's ever going to work. But you get excited about that. When you read in the Bible that he's a liar and the truth is not even in him. So you're almost like, you know, Satan, thank you so much. Have you ever had the enemy just go, you know, you're so far away. You're not laying hold. You're going to die. Oh, thank you. I must be a lot closer than I even thought I was. Because you can't tell the truth, right? That's just an absolute truth. But we've said this before. In Isaiah 54, verse 14, it says, In righteousness you shall be established. And that, that Hebrew word means fixed and immovable. It says you shall be far from oppression. Far from oppression. And it says, for you shall not fear. Why don't we fear? Right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because you're with me. New Testament Hey, Timothy, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit full of power, love, and soundness of mind. Fear is external. So oppression, fear, terror, and from terror it shall not come near you. We need to realize why. Because this person is kept they understand who they are. And this is very important for you and I. You're not just some old sinner saved by grace. No, that old sinner died and is gone. And you're a brand new creature in Christ. It goes on to say in verse 17 of this same chapter that no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. That means no sickness, no disease, no financial attack, no emotional attack, no anything, no weapon. Now there will be weapons formed, but they won't prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you can condemn it. I am so glad that I can condemn stupid words that I speak. Have you ever, you're going through your day and you say something stupid and you can go, wait a minute, time out. I don't believe that. Words are containers, but you and I, as righteous children of God, have the ability to curse the word, and so it doesn't produce death. I've made it a point in my life, if I ever hear that people are talking negatively about me, I go, to, I go right to the Lord and say, Father, I curse those words, they will not produce death in the person's life who has spoken them, right? Forgive them for those sins. I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody having to ever deal with sin that they've sinned against me. The Bible says whoever sins I remit, they'll be remitted. I mean, think about that at the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Do you think any of those people will be judged for the sin of crucifying him? No, why? Because Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn it. And this is why this is our heritage. 
not as servants of the Lord, New Testament, now I'm a child of God who've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. I have to know who I am for him to sustain me. Now, I've made a couple statements about this, but we have to look at this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What am I doing right now? I'm building a case. We're, we're showing you in the Word of God. You probably haven't, you haven't heard anything yet that you haven't heard before but I believe you're going to hear it in a new way. You have to hear this over and over and over. I have been redeemed from the fear of being repetitive, right? I'm absolutely not here to please you today. I am here to please him. And the good news is it'll, it'll encourage you, it'll build you up, and it builds me up too. And it's awesome. We're all along for the ride, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You know this scripture, but this is the basis of why he'll sustain you in everything you face. There won't be anything that will happen this year that you won't be sustained. I'm telling you that. God has given you abundant Zoe life. If you look at the life of Jesus, he was not moved by his circumstances. It says here, therefore, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This means he's a new creation, a new species, one that's never existed before. This, means, this word means you're an original form. There's only one of you. If, if any man be in Christ, well, what does it mean to be in Christ? We learn from the book of Romans, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you're in Christ. Well, what happens? You came one day and you heard the gospel and you said, Jesus, I believe you did die on a cross and that your father rose you from the dead and you're alive today. I believe that. And now... I know and I confess with my mouth, you're Lord of all, but today, Jesus, I proclaim that you're my Lord. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit of God comes into the inside of your physical body, takes out the spirit man that was dead and separated from God, and that man is gone forever, and he puts a brand new spirit in you, and now the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you, and you are literally made the very righteousness of Almighty God. And now you are in Christ. And now Paul says to the church at Corinth, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Old things have passed away. What, what passed away? The man that I was, the spiritually dead man, the self-centered life is gone. All things are become new. Now I'm God-centered, right? And then if you jump down to verse 21, it tells exactly how he did it. For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in him. So today as you're sitting here, you are a righteous child of God. You don't grow in righteousness. You can't. It's not yours to grow in. It's we're made the righteousness of Almighty God. God doesn't grow in righteousness. He is. 
as we get in the word of God and we find out who we are and we gain revelation of who he is, we become more aware of our righteousness. So you're an heir right now. Things in this earth have no dominion over you anymore. Satan does not want you to know that. So righteousness, it's a free gift of God. It's provided by Jesus at Calvary. How? Through the grace of God. Everything comes to us through the grace of God. This word translated righteousness, it literally means to be in right standing. Do you know sometimes people see they, they have some behavior in their life that makes them feel not very good about themselves. But I got to tell you, even though your behavior might be off, your right standing is still okay. In other words, God is not mad at you. He doesn't, he, doesn't turn, he doesn't turn his back on you. Now, he's not pleased if you're allowing behavior in your life that's sinful because it'll cause death, and he's not pleased because he can't get anything over to you, and, and you know, he can't really help you in that situation, but he's not mad at you, and he's always going to be trying to get you to give this stuff to him. I remember me one time in my life where the Lord told me, he said, Tony, I don't even, I don't care where you've been, right? I don't even care where you are right now. My question is, will you forget all that and will you just go with me from now on? I'm so glad I did that. Have I been perfect? No. You know, angels don't jump off my car when I go 56 miles an hour, <laughs> right? No. Now, does that mean you should speed? Probably not. Okay, you shouldn't. Darn it. It's like you probably should eat Brussels sprouts, but doggone it, I just don't want to right now. Pray for me. So, so righteousness, what is it? Righteousness is a position. It's, it literally is the ability. I can, it's, it's the ability that I have because of Jesus to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt or shame, or condemnation, to stand in his presence as if sin never existed in my life. I could come boldly to the throne of grace, and I have his ear. In other words, me being healed has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. It's mine. You prospering in life. You walking in Zoe life, you being sustained, it's all about him, not about us. We're standing literally in Christ before the Father. So here's the deal, though, to understand the things of God, to understand the epistles, to understand all these things, you have to understand your position with God. I can't say that enough. When you understand your position, and that will rock your lifestyle. See, why do people not put God first? Because they don't understand their position. They might have some head knowledge of it if they sat in a church, but they've never really grasped it. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit is here to help you with that. You'll never be more righteous than the moment you 
accepted the Lord. Isn't that good news? So now jump over to Philippians chapter 1. I want you to see some truths here. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 9. You guys doing okay this morning? Man, I'm telling you, the word of God will build you up and it'll empower you to lay hold of your inheritance. In Philippians 1.9, it says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That's a little vague in the King James. This word judgment means perception. In other words, Paul is praying this. He's writing this to the church at Philippi. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all perception. Why? That you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Look at this, verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. What is fruit? Fruit is a visible expression, an outward expression of something which is working inside of you. Paul is saying he wants you to be filled with all the fruits of righteousness. In other words, he wants your life to bear fruit outwardly of all that's coming from you being made righteous. Isn't that good news? The fruits of righteousness. What is that? No weapon will form against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you'll condemn it. You could come boldly to the throne of God and he, you have his ear anytime, right? I mean, there's all this, he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's the fruit of righteousness, immovable. Which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So now, jump back to Isaiah. Let's talk about this fruit of righteousness. Isaiah 32, verse 17. It gives us a wonderful verse of scripture. It says, Isaiah 32, 17, and the work, this, this word work means the transaction or the action of righteousness shall be peace. If righteousness was a tree, it would produce a fruit on it called peace. Why do people not have peace? Because they don't know they're righteous. But when you know who you are and who you've been made, it will literally bear the fruit of peace. And peace is not a feeling, right? But peace will produce free feelings. In other words, peace is a result, will result always in feelings. So in other words, if you want to feel at peace, you have to know you're righteous. That's where it comes from. Okay? It says the work or the action, the transaction of righteousness shall be peace. When did that transaction happen in your life? Do you realize I was made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ almost 2,000 years ago before I was ever born? 
And then I showed up, and here I am on the earth, and at some point, the Holy Spirit wooed me, and I gave my heart to Christ, and I was made righteous, and everything, everything that Jesus did for me on that cross took place in my life now, and now, literally, the transaction has been done, I have the peace of God. But... I will never walk in the benefit of that peace if I don't know I'm righteous. Because I've got to, I gotta bear the fruit of righteousness on the outside. How can I do that? By speaking the word of God. Father, I thank you that you have made me your very righteousness today. And I thank you today that your peace. It, which passes all understanding, it's not of this world. It mounts guard over my heart and over my mind. As I'm saying this, what's happening is the Spirit of God is drawing the peace of God out of my spirit, and it starts affecting my whole life. So now I'm at peace in a storm because I know he's the one who sustains me. But let's, it, it even gets better, though, and it says... And the effect or the result of righteousness is what? Quietness and assurance forever. See, I'm not stressed because I'm trying to carry things. And here's where a lot of Christians are at. I don't have inner turmoil because God is telling me He's prompting me to obey his word in an area and I'm saying no and I'm living with this in, in inner turmoil. It's not coming from God. It's coming from my own spirit. My own spirit. I'm violating my own heart. But the result of righteousness will be quietness. And here's the other one, assurance. That's a faith word. Forever. I have an assurance that everything Everything that comes against me in 2021, I have the assurance that I will overcome in Christ everything because he keeps me. Now, if you jump over to Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, verse 2, look at, this is kind of talking about the same thing. It says, when you, when you pass through the waters, notice it didn't say if. No, no, you're going to pass through the waters. You live on the earth. But when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers. Pastor, this isn't getting better. Not if, but when you pass through rivers. It says, they shall not overflow you. God said that. And when you, when you walk through the fire, are you kidding me? A am I going to walk through the fire? Yeah. God didn't say if, he said when. Am I going to face a lion? Am I going to face a bear? Am I going to face Goliath? Am I going to go into a fiery furnace? Am I going to go into a lion's den? Yep. But I'm going to go into it in peace, in quiet assurance, because I already know God's with me and I'm coming out. And when I come out, look at this. It says, neither you shall not be burned when you go through the fire, and neither, neither shall the fire kindle upon you. In other words, these circumstances will not leave any residual 
on my life at all. When God heals, he removes the scar. He makes all things new. But pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. No, 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 no. I, I, I know that. But you don't understand who God is. God is a God that makes a way where there's no way. God's a God that can make something beautiful out of a mess. He makes it all new. Yeah, but you don't understand, man. I, you know, I was an alcoholic for years and I just destroyed my organs. I was a drug addict for years and, and you know, I just fried my organs and my brain. Doesn't matter. There's a book on Calvary Chapel pastors was written years ago. Do you know some of these guys who are pastoring thousands and thousands of people were in mental institutions because their minds were just fried on drugs and then God. But their mind doesn't have scars of drugs. No, 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 it's new. It's new. Have you ever been deeply hurt? I'm telling you, God comes in and makes it all new. That's, see, that's your life. This is your reality. And we're going to preach it and preach it and preach it. Why does all this happen? I love the first part of verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. He says, I am your Savior. Isn't that amazing? See, not because of me, but because of him. So now let's jump over. We're, we're just ready now. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Man, that clock goes so fast. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Look at this. It says, for if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, death reigned, or death, spiritual death, had full and superior dominion, how did it rain? By Adam's sin. It says much more. And this, this Greek word means so much more, you can't even compare it. Much more. They which receive. Now this is a huge one. The word receive literally means they that take hold of and act upon. This Greek word, though, is in the continuous present tense so what this means is it's a continuous action i'm continually grabbing hold of and walking i'm at, it's, it actually denotes something that i'm growing in i am constantly receiving the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness well what is the abundance of grace it is God doing for me what I could never do for myself. The abundance of grace, it's the Greek word charis. It means the divine or God's influence on my heart that reflects out of my life. The grace of God, see, the grace of God in relation to physical healing is now the healing power of God comes down. God's effect on me that is producing things that show out of me in health. God's effect on me as a provider that now, his influence in my life that now comes out of my life. 
That's the grace of God. The grace of God is everything. It's the finished work of Jesus. It's everything that he's ever done for you. It is, it is his divine influence in my life or in my heart that flows out of my life. So I am to literally be a living example of all that Jesus has done. When people, when I walk around, see, this is why we don't get glory. He gets glory. Because it's all him. Well, you know, I got that with my faith. Oh, you're in trouble, brother. Right? No, no, you're in big trouble. And, and give up. Just listen, you don't lose your life in Christ. You actually find your life in Christ. This is so huge. It says, the, and the gift of righteousness shall reign, that means have full and superior dominion in life, in the Zoe life of God. How do we do that? By, this word by, it could, it's the word dia. It could be translated through or it could be translated with. Shall reign in life through one, Jesus Christ, or you could translate it with one, Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? See, Paul, he was preaching to these Roman Christians, these Gentiles. He was preaching about God's grace, and he was doing it because he was trying to overcome the wrong teaching that they had heard that was trying to mess them up, which, which came in, which was saying, listen, you could have Jesus, but you still have to keep the law. And Paul was teaching this to, to help them overcome that. See, we don't deal with this today. But why is this scripture so important to us today? Today, believers are trying to work their way into the blessing of God. Somehow feeling, if I just am good enough, we gotta give this up. Because you get in that, and you're on a works treadmill, and you'll mess up, and then Satan will convince you that, well, I guess you don't get it. See, many believe they have to do something to believe God. But it's not doing something that pleases God. Or I'm sorry, many people think they have to do something to please God. But it's not what you do that pleases God. The Bible says to please God, you have to believe him. Right? What, what does Hebrews eleven six say? But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Get off the thing that I've got to focus on doing the right thing to please him. No, no, what pleases him is believing him. And if you'll get in faith and walk in love and know who you are, in, know that you've been made righteous, guess what that will do? it will cause you to walk out of unholy lifestyle and walk holy before God because holiness flows out of righteousness. Why does a believer who sat under the word for years, why will they get with another believer and actually be used by Satan and speak death over their life? Why do they do that? Because they have lost the sense of who they are. For that moment. And all of a sudden, they went from being a weapon of righteousness 
to a weapon of unrighteousness. And we have to guard against that. Well, how do you guard against it? You keep your eyes on Jesus. We try to get to a place when we could, where we could finally put our finger on something we did to please him. See, we try to, we just try to get to this place. If I could just please him enough, because man, I really need him to come through for me financially. Or if I, I, I just, you know, I just really, I gotta, you know, I gotta be early to church because, you know, this sickness is getting bad. Forget all that. It's not about that. God, God is not up in heaven taking a tally going, okay, I think I will do this. No, no, he's already given you everything. But how you lay hold of it is knowing him. And here's the danger, guys. If you're in pride at all, you will not see it. The church is filled with people that are wondering why Year after year, the word of God does not work for them. And it's because they're so self-centered and they're just living for themselves. And why are they doing that? Because they're just horrible people? No. They're wonderful people. They just are not walking in a revelation of who they are in Christ. Because when you start realizing, wow, I'd been given all this and all I had to do was simply just believe it. Jesus paid the price. Man, it's amazing. Well, I think we need to get more into this. So I hope this has helped you a little bit. If I keep going, I'll have you here another hour. And I know although you guys all want to do that, we want you to come back. So praise God. Well, is this helping you a little bit? As we get into this, you have to know that this God thing, he will keep you. He will cause you to be blessed when everybody around you is not because of where you are with him. So I guess what I'm saying is just realize your love today. He's in your life. All of this is for you and he'll walk you right into it. So just let that happen. Amen.